Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cameras and Coffee, a podcast for the photographers of Long Island Group. Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Cameras and Coffee. Today, we're talking with a couple of people. We're talking with Rick Burke. Some of you know, some of you might not know. Um, and uh, we'll also probably be uh, talking with John Lamont because of a conversation that came up in the Long Island Sun Chasers page. And the conversation was in regards to filters. And Rick made some very good, strong points in regards to filters and process with filters. So um, I want everybody to meet Rick and um, get to know him a little bit and uh, hear what he has to say. We're going to, like I said, just basically have a conversation. So go ahead, Rick, introduce yourself. Uh, hi, so, uh, okay, I'm Rick Burke. Uh, I am a photographer. Um, I now live in Freeport, Maine, uh, right on the Maine coast. Um, lived on Long Island for 21 years, which was how I got involved with the Sun Chasers back before I relocated to Maine. Um, worked for Canon USA for quite a while. Um, owned my own studio on Long Island for a little while. And now I am a, I guess you could call it a professional fine art photographer. Um, I sell my prints and my work, I license it through an agent, and I am uh, also an educator. I teach workshops. Um, I've taught workshops for Canon. Um, now for, uh, I'm working with um, Blue Hour Photo Ventures out of Boston. Um, that'll start in 2021, God willing, uh, <laughs> yeah. that we can do those things. Uh, and previously I was with uh, Hunt Photo video uh, as an instructor as well for their Hunts Photo Adventures. Um, so I get around. Okay, good, good. But, um, yeah. So yeah, so the conversation, it, and do you remember who originally started the conversation? Yeah, uh, I have it up here on my screen, actually. It was Patty Ann Guilfoyle. Okay, uh, yeah. Go and, ahead. you know, I mean, she, it's unclear what her gripe was exactly uh, she asked for a no filter section because she never enhances her photos in software um she didn't really specify whether it was any filtering or mm -hmm. um or any processing but i kind of took it and this may be me making assumptions so i'll, I'll leave room for that uh but i kind of took it that she views any processing at all in a negative light um, and there are people out there who do it, um, you know, who, who they like to tout the fact that their images come straight out of the camera and they don't touch them except to crop. Right. Um, and my, my stance on that was, well, just because you're not touching them doesn't mean they're not being processed. Um, cameras all have a, a setting in them in Canon cameras, it's called a picture style. Nikon calls it picture control. Sony calls it picture control. Fuji has their film looks. Um, and what those do is those are settings for processing photos. Um, mm -hmm. It's just done in camera rather than on the computer later on. Um, so 
if you're one of those who chooses to say, well, straight out of camera, that doesn't mean it wasn't processed. It just means you let a software engineer figure out how your picture's going to look for you. Whereas um, those of us who process in Photoshop or Lightroom or whatever your imaging processing software of choice is, um, we take control over that last step and get our own looks out of it if we want to. Right. And those those settings in each of the cameras, when you when you go back and you say that you're letting uh, someone else take control, it's a it's a generic setting. So even though it may say vivid, it's it is vivid, but it could be, you know, generic across the board where you prefer more this, you're, you know, and, you know, even with landscapes, portraits, it has them. I mean, I'm a Nikon person, so it's it has those different things, but it's a generic kind of setting. Right. Right. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're, they're kind of a one size fits all. It doesn't look at the image and say, well, this is backlit and I need to open up the shadows a little bit so I can mm-hmm. get some detail out of it. Um, it doesn't look at, um, well, I mean, ca- now the cameras have gotten smarter and some of them, depending on how you have that set, do look at the scene and say, well, this is a landscape scene and it can kind of tell, or this is a portrait and it can kind of tell. But otherwise, if, you, if you're shooting a landscape, let's say, and you choose the landscape setting, um, what that's going to do is it usually saturates blues and greens a little bit. It adds a lot more contrast to the scene to make it pop more. But, um, and it also adds a lot more sharpening too. But in the process, um, a lot of times it will lose detail. Um, it, and it will lose color as well. You know, you might be looking at a sunset with these very light wispy pinks in the sky that, you know, are very delicate in terms of the color that's there. It's very faint and very soft. Um, and the camera will lose that because it's doing, it, it's kind of doing with broad brush strokes what really needs a fine brush. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, a lot of times I, I've had people come to me on my workshops and say, you know, my pictures don't look like yours. Why, why not? Um, I was at that same sunset that you showed us this morning on your phone, because I'll go back to my room after, after a sunset and process the image and put mm-hmm. it on my phone so I can show it the next day. And I go, mine didn't look like that. Why not? And it's always the processing. I mean, if they're standing next to me and I'm sharing my settings on camera with them, so, you know, you, or they're using their meter and they're getting a proper exposure out of it. There's no reason that they shouldn't have those wispy pinks or, or um, purples or, or bright oranges. But a lot of times the camera will just crush those and get rid of them because um, the camera is applying too much contrast or too much saturation to certain colors and not enough to others. Um, and, and you end up losing a lot of that. So... And the thing is, with those settings, you can't you can't get away from them. It's not like you can turn them all off. No, you know, they're there no matter what you do. Yeah, each camera also has one. Um, Nikon has one called Flat that is very. I don't remember. It looks very bland on on the camera screen. Okay. Um, so, and that's designed to give you kind of a blank slate look to things. Also. Um, you know, Canon has neutral and faithful, which are kind of similar. Um, Fuji, their ProNeg standard is kind of that way. Okay. Um, Sony doesn't really have a flat. They have a neutral that's, you know, still not neutral enough for my taste, but I live with it. Um, so, uh, but what, what the reason why, even if you're shooting raw, 
you still have to pick up a, a picture style or picture control to, mm -hmm. to go on your camera because when you look at the screen after you take a picture, the camera has to have some way of showing you that raw file. Right. Um, so it's going to apply whatever picture control you've selected so that it can say, okay, here's what it looks like based on what you selected right now. Um, I choose the flattest picture style I can because the histogram is reflected on that picture style. Mm -hmm. When you look at your histogram on the back of the screen to check your, your exposure, based it, it changes based on what picture uh, style you have set. So if you have one like vivid where it's very contrasty and, and very uh, color saturated, your histogram will be different than if you take the same picture on flat or neutral. Huh. Okay. So, um, so, you know, when I look at my pictures on the back of my camera screen, they don't look anything like what they're going to look like when they're done because yeah. I'm going to go back in and build up contrast, build up saturation, but I'm going to make sure that I preserve the tones where I want them to be preserved and not necessarily where the camera does. And it's, it's funny because also what I found very interesting and, um, uh, I don't know, Kathleen Desidorio, um, her and I, we be out together and, and she's shooting with her mirrorless and I'm not, I'm shooting with a crop. We've got the same exact settings and we're looking at the back of the image and hers is brighter than mine. And I'm like, is that the difference from the mirrorless to the crop? I don't know. What, but it's it, both Nikons. Yeah, she'll she'll shoot shoot with the I don't know if she's got the eight ten or the seven fifty. I'm not sure what she has, and I'm shooting with the five hundred. And I'm mm -hmm. like, we have the same exact settings. We're shooting shooting in the same exact direction, and I'm always darker than her. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Part of it can be your metering settings as well. Part of it also can be the brightness setting on your screen. If you know you if you turn the brightness all the way mm -hmm. up on your screen, um, that image will look brighter, and um, but it won't necessarily actually be brighter when you get it onto your computer. Yeah. Um, so you have to be careful of your brightness settings on the on the camera screen as well. If uh, you know this is this is why I, I always tell people. Um, in my workshops and classes, make sure you look at your histogram. Don't just look at that screen and say, oh, that looks good because I've done it where I've been shooting bright daylight and I have to have the screen turned up so I can see it. And then I go shoot a sunset or I'm shooting a night sky. The screen is at full brightness and, now, and I'm actually like a stop or two underexposed because I have the screen up that, that high. Right. Now so, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I have that issue too. Yeah. That's what I, I constantly remind everybody is don't forget that your L, your LCD screen is backlit, you know, so and and, and it, the strength of it and it, you know, it looks brighter on yours than it does on mine. It's just the way you have it. So, mm -hmm. but um, this whole thing with, you know, the processing, I mean, like you said, we don't know if, if what she was referring to by way of filters, if she meant like, over-processing because I've been in the area where I've seen the images and, you know, you can assume at this point that the person is somebody that's fairly new. So they're playing, they're trying, they, you know, it's very, very blue and it's like, okay. Um, but, you know, and this is where I want to get into the conversation with John, because it also, there's an emotional part of it too. So I think that that might be like a, a whole different thing too, when people do that. And you, you know, like I said, in the conversation, it's subjective too. 
It's mm -hmm. definitely subjective. Of course, we're all photographers and we would love it to, you wanna be able to be where you can, ex you can show exactly what you're seeing. I mean, and that's very hard to do with a camera. So you have to do some form of processing. And even right. sometimes with the processing, you still can't get it. Yeah, even cameras in general, I mean, they're never gonna give you exactly what you see because as soon as you slap a lens on that's not a normal lens, say you go with an ultra wide or a telephoto, mm -hmm. you're, you're stretching or compressing perspective. You're increasing the angle of view that your eyes mm -hmm. don't necessarily mm -hmm. have. And then also, um, you know, you're also dealing with, well, how did you expose it? Your eyes have much greater um, dynamic range in terms of the highlights and shadows they can see than uh, than a camera does. So trying to get it the way your eye looks isn't necessarily going to be accurate either just because the camera's not capable of it. Right, right. And I think, you know, like I said, you know, the emo then, then it goes into, you know, what you were trying, you know, you're, you're a storyteller, you know, it's a creativity, it's a sense of creativity, you're a storyteller, you have these things, you know, like I, the, I have a beautiful shot of my son seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. And you want to be able to get all of that and all that expression in there. But, you know, the camera, like you said, it can't always get everything. You can't see all the way across. You can't see down. You can't get those colors. Are You know, I can remember being out West and being frustrated and saying, why am I not picking up these colors the way I saw it? And some people will just, you know, overdo it just to get the point across, right. which is... You know, that's what I think is what part, part of the problem is, is when people say that they're overprocessed. Yeah, there's definitely, um, to, to hit your first point, there's definitely a personal preference involved too. I mean, I, I started shooting landscapes on film um, about 25 years ago or whatever, but on, on um, Fuji Velvia, which is a very color saturated, very contrasty film. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of the... Uh, the style of color and contrast that I, you know, was drawn to, which is why I chose that film in the first place. Other people may have picked like Kodachrome 64, which is a much less saturated, much more um, subtle color okay. to it. So it kind of, you know, depends on, you know, where you came from. And if you started in the digital age and don't have any experience with film, well, then, you know, you're kind of fishing around for what you like to begin with anyway. Um, and if you're just starting with processing or if you see somebody who's just starting with processing, um, there is a tendency to go too much. You know, I was guilty of it. Oh, we all were. And, and, you know, there, there's always that, that um, temptation to push that slider as far as it'll go. Um, and you learn over time that restraint is a good thing. Um, you know, I got to a point where I would push the slider as far as I thought it looked good. And then I would actually back it off a little bit to, to where I started to think, well, maybe that doesn't look quite as good, but um, in the end, it actually looks about right. So, okay. you know, it, you, you, as you gain experience with editing, you start to learn where, where things should, um, should end as opposed to, you know, yeah. like back when like HDR was really big and everyone was doing these really um, bad HDR conversions <laughs> with, yeah. you know, the stuff got crunchy, the colors got muted and, right. 
you know, there were halos galore everywhere. And everybody was like, oh, that looks so cool because it was new and, and, you know, nobody knew anything about it. And then people quickly tired of it. And now people are still doing HDR, but it looks a whole lot better than it used to because people have gotten, you know, to the point where they're like, okay, yeah, it's, it's fine to do that, but let's back it off a little yeah, bit. It, it's cool, but make it a little bit cool, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. instead of making very wide cool, a little bit cool. Right. I mean, but it's, it's like that with everything. I mean, even when you get down to, um, you know, uh, people back and forth with the, the the portrait, using portrait as a prime example of, of processing and over-processing and whatnot. And, you know, you have the, 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 the female, you know, uh, model, the female, you know, client in front of you. And they're like, well, can you do this? And well, can you do that? I'm like, listen, you know what I can, I, I, you know, you know, you can, I yeah. mean, you definitely know you can. I remember seeing somebody had done it. It was years ago. It really was a couple of years ago. And it was a picture, just a photograph of a slice of pizza. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a, and the guy then reversed his, his process and what he did with it. Oh no, I'm backwards. No, it was a beautiful girl and he reversed it and it was originally a slice of pizza and he was <laughs> able to manipulate this thing into making this look like this beautiful woman. And, you know, you can, if you know it very well, if you know Photoshop well enough, you can manipulate something drastically, but you know what, your client, do you satisfy the client? Do you not? I mean, I know I have friends and they're like, don't make my arms look that big. So I, you know, I'll do that a little bit. You have the teenagers, you have the acne, that's it. But you know what? I'm not taking off a hundred pounds because that's not you. You know what I mean? So there's always, there's that too. Um, or change my, you know, change the color of this or change the color of that. You know, her hair is pink. Don't make it pink because she dyed it pink, make it blonde. You know, you, you know, you get those and that's yeah. where the, you know, you definitely have to learn how to draw the line at some point with, you know, there where it's worth it because you still go, even with going to landscape, you're shooting in reality. You know what I mean? You, you want to be able to tell a story to be able to show people what you're seeing. And sometimes some of it's not pretty and sometimes some of it's beautiful and you got to show it all. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's ways to bring out what you want and minimize what you don't want. You know, you know, there's, I mean, without going crazy with it, um, you know, where, where I, you know, obviously there's always going to be over-processing in my Mm -hmm. opinion, there's always going to be some under-processing too. Um, and this 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 conversation comes up in many of the groups I'm in uh, from time to time, and it always gets kind of ugly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, usually it's someone, and I don't know the original poster's um, experience level. Right. You know, I know she stated that she doesn't edit things and um, claims that there's no way that certain colors weren't enhanced, certain reflections or whatever weren't enhanced. Um, to me, that, that speaks of a lot of inexperience, um, Mm -hmm. because depending on when you're out there shooting, um, you can get very saturated colors in the sky. You can get very still mirror like reflections that, you know, look like glass, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on where you are. If you're not out at the right time, and timing is everything with this stuff, if you're yeah. not out there at that time, you're never going to see that. And if you never see that that way, then it becomes very difficult to believe at times. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Um, 
you know, people will go to a lake. I, I've, you know, I went to, um, to Idaho this past summer and shot in the Sawtooth Mountains. And mm -hmm. I went to Stanley Lake and um, we got there the first day we scouted the area out to see what it was like. And we were there about 11, 12 o'clock uh, during the day. And the lake, you know, wind was blowing. It was very ripply. People are out and about. We went for sunrise the next morning and the lake was mirror-like. It was perfectly still and calm. And that happens when, you know, people haven't started their day yet. So, I mean, nobody realizes how much turbulence people actually cause uh, in the air. And then that air causes the water to ripple. When there's nobody around and it's just you and nature, you know, that water is going to be very, very still unless it's windy. And if, it, if it's a calm day, you know, you'll get that mirror-like reflection and, and you can capture that. Yeah, I mean, we've even had those days here on the bay. Mm -hmm. You know, we we you know we've all seen them. We've all had those mornings where it's just like you've got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, it's it like you said, it's it's the time of the day when you're there, and if you've never there, you don't know. So yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of it it becomes experience. You know, you have to realize that you know if you get there for a sunrise, if you get there at sunrise or later, you're not going to see those colors the way they are. A half hour 45 minutes before sunrise when the sun is still below the horizon but that underlighting is starting to happen on those clouds and that's where you get those blood reds and and those deep oranges um you know what before the sun has actually come up once the mm -hmm. sun is up that 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 goes away mm -hmm. um and it's not going to look like that again so uh if you don't see that if you never if you're not you know i have plenty of students who've come to me and like yeah i'm not a morning person i'm like well then you're never going to get that right. um you know, you might get it at sunset if you stick around and get a great sunset. But a lot of people, they, they watch the sunset, too. And as soon as the sun goes below the horizon, they're packing their stuff up. And I'm like, no, what, are you, no. what are you doing? Yeah. I'm like, well, the sunset's over. I'm like, no, it isn't. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> those clouds are still there. And that sun is going to light them up as soon as it's below the horizon. And sure enough, you know, you wait 15, 20 minutes or so, whatever. And you get that nice orange afterglow. And sometimes if it's good enough, you can be there almost almost up to an hour after mm -hmm. and get those colors because it just catches that little tip of the cloud or the little, you know, yeah. And it, it's funny because you don't realize when it comes to things like color and everybody say oversaturation, well, Mother Nature is the, the perfect, you know, she's the one who created the colors and, you know, there they are. I mean, our job is just to, you know, show it and a lot of times it's not even close to being saturated or oversaturated so you know it's you got to be there at the right, right time so yeah yeah it's and it's hard to explain that to someone i have a picture of um the brooklyn bridge at sunset that i took in like 2008 and i literally i took the subway down from penn station i took long island railroad into penn station and mm -hmm. took the subway down to cadman plaza walked up uh onto the bridge from Cadman Plaza and the sky was on fire. Um, it, it was just gorgeous. Um, it's still one of my more popular uh, images, um, but the, I've had people at art shows look at it and go, was that really like that? Did, did you Photoshop that? And I'm like, yeah, it was really like that. I didn't have to touch that sky. That was, it was awesome that night. Um, you know, people, if they don't, people who don't normally notice those things and, and us landscape photographers are, are a different breed with that. You know, we mm -hmm. notice all that kind of stuff. Um, if they don't normally notice that stuff, then they're never going to see it or, or realize it until we show them a picture of it. And they're going to go, 
that can't be real. I've never right. seen that. And it's like, yeah, pro- you probably did. You probably just weren't paying attention to it. Right. Well, let me ask you, you know, because using, you know, you did that story you just said about Brooklyn Bridge. Um, what do you think about now this whole thing with the new IA that the, the new sky thing that um, Photoshop put in there now? We're going to you think we're going to see a lot more of mm-hmm. that's not true. That's not true. You are. Um, and what's going to happen? It, it People who do sky replacements, um, I don't, it takes it away from being a straight photo and much more into photographic art. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a, necessarily have a problem with it. Um, I would prefer people were honest about what they do about it. You know, if, if someone posts it and says, you know, hey, I was playing around, I'd replace the sky because it was flat and blah. You know, that's fine. Um, I've done it myself at times mm-hmm. when I'm on these these trips where it's maybe not once in a lifetime, but once in a very long time. Um, and I get to a spot that's otherwise great. The light is otherwise great, but the sky is like flat blue, um, you know, or, or nothing. You know, I'm not going to let that one little element ruin the, an otherwise nice shot. Okay. Uh, so I'll drop in a sky. Um, so that, that is, said, sorry. Well, there's a tell. There's a tell. There are telltale signs. Too bad sky. Too bad sky replacement. Right. You have to pay attention to to where the light is coming from and make sure that you match. If it doesn't match, it's going to look obvious. There was one. I don't want to call her out, um, but there was one in the Sun Chasers group a while back. Someone was playing with sky replacement, and there were actually two light sources in the image. Um, there was one light source coming from the side and one like in the middle of the image as like a sunset and you know the average person might not notice that but as a photographer you kind of look at it and go wait a minute if you have the sun there in the middle what's that coming from the left so uh Uh, because the now i'm wondering because this is becoming a thing now all of a sudden like i said photoshop did this we're gonna have to define the two categories or create new one where it's more of a fine art photography as opposed to what natural i mean you know what are we you know that's my concern because you're gonna i mean not for nothing it's a new toy you play with it it looks cool you know what i mean but is it gonna make us lazy is it gonna start a whole new category is it gonna you know it's like the cell phone well it's it's been there for a while it's just been harder. Yeah. Now it's just now it's easier. easier. So I mean, it's a lot more accessible to the masses. Um, I, th- you know, I don't know that it really changes anything because, like, a lot of the contests and shows already have guidelines that say, you know, minimal Photoshop or anything goes or whatever. Okay. So then you have to either you have to disclose, you know, what you did. I think you know, in a group like like the Sun Chasers, um. You know, you'll get some people who will, who will sneak it in and, and say, you know, here's my picture, period. And you'll, mm-hmm. get, you'll get some people who will post it and boldly say, you know, hey, I swapped out the sky because it was kind of blah. What do you think? You know, right. um, I think, you know, from an art perspective, it doesn't really matter. You know, art is about making people feel something or experience uh, some emotion. Um so I think if, if it's successful and it does that, then what difference does it make? Um, it's preferable, I think, that there's some basis in reality. I mean, obviously, 
I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna put a sky in that doesn't match with everything else. Um, right. You know, I'm looking to just complete the scene as it might look on some other day. And like I said, I, I don't do it often, but it's there and I'll admit it. And, you know, if people ask me, you know, I'll tell them, yeah, I swapped that out. You know, the sky was blah that day. So I, I made a change. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but I, I'm the I'm the candidate for that right there, because um, I had a nice shot of the lighthouse. The sky was blah and I changed out the sky. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I admitted it right from the very beginning um, and it wound up in a calendar. <laughs> it wound up in a calendar. And I'm like, listen, guys, you know, you realize that this is not really what we saw. I mean, the sky is not, you know, what happened on that day. I explained that to them, you know, made sure that I was up front. And they're like, you know what? They don't care. They like the image. And I think that is where you're going to get it. You know, somebody wants a beautiful shot, like I said, of, you know, the, the lighthouse or the Brooklyn Bridge. They want it and you just happen to have one and you threw in a different sky from another night or you use the IA or whatever the case may be. And they're going to buy it. They're going to love it. They're not going to care. So that's what I think you're going to. That's why I think we're going to see more of it, especially now that it's so much easier to do. I think, you know, I think my buyers don't necessarily care. I think Mm -hmm. the the people who follow me um, for instruction, you know, they'll care and they'll ask and I'll tell them. You know, like I said, I'm not shy about saying, hey, I swapped the sky out. I just, I did a workshop in Acadia two weeks ago. Um, we had one rainy day. So I said, hey guys, we're going to do a post-processing class today because I'm not going out in this downpour. Um, so we met in the meeting room of the hotel. Everybody was six feet apart at their own tables. And, um, you know, I, I said, you know, we did basic, you know, basic adjustments, kind of like what I showed in, in my post in the group with the uh, Aspen trees. But then I said, you guys want to see something cool? I said, you, you can have your own opinion on this, but this is something you can do. Like if you're on this once in a lifetime trip and you just can't get a good sky out of it. You know, and I showed them how to do sky replacement. And of course, a week later, Adobe came out with it with their new one with the AI. But um, I showed them how to do it without that. Right. And, you know, they were all cool. Okay. And I showed them an image that I had done it on. I showed them the before and after. Like I said, I'm not shy about it. I'm not trying right. to hide anything. Um you know, if I'm going to enter a contest, I'm going to make sure that the image, you know, conforms to to the contest rules or the show guidelines. Right. Um, I'm but not that, gonna, go ahead. I'm, I'm not going to try and put it over on anyone. And that's where that's where you hear about it a lot is like when people enter like um, the the news, the photojournalism mm-hmm. uh, contest, the bigger ones. Um, and someone like cloned out a paper bag or a plastic bag that was in the scene, or they, they cloned out a person who didn't add to the scene. That's where, where you hear about this trouble. Otherwise, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, any, anything's fair game as long as, you know, you, you're not doing right. anything to harm anybody. Right. And, but, and, but this is what it goes back to this woman with this, you know, person with the, the whole thing with filters. I mean, you know, you and I, we can look at it and 90 or 80 percent, 90 percent of us that are in the Sun Chasers and other groups, we can tell. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know when something's done. But the point of it is, is that the person who doesn't wants it, they still want it. They don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? They still want to make the purchase. They still want to see it. They want to be this. And you and I, I mean, I listen, I, I the last two weeks I've been uh, shooting uh football game touch football game first week i was there fog crap 
nothing but crap. This right. this last week did it. And again, I'm shooting at night. My settings are not right. I'm at 10,000 ISO and I'm freaking out because I know exactly what I've got. I know I'm wrong. I know it's not going to be nice. I know it's not going to be good. The boys love them. The boys don't see it because, you know, and I literally am like, I'm not showing them to parents. I'm not trying to, you, the boys want them, let them have it. They can have fun, do whatever they want. But I know it's horrible, you know, right. but they don't care. They don't care. They think that they're cool shots. And that's what, you know, so you use a filter. You use a filter because you want to be able to sell your work. You know, you know that you have a client that likes, you know, beautiful sunrises and beautiful sunsets. So, okay, so you swap the sky out. You got a beautiful shot of this gorgeous wave or this. So you shop, you know, it makes the client happy. Right. So, I mean, you know, being critical of filters, I think is, is I'm not going to say not cool, but I think it's kind of silly. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, it gets, it gets my good up because I don't think, she was referring necessarily to filters specifically as much as she was referring to just the whole idea of post-processing in general. Right. Um, and to me that always, um, it always smacks of, of um, inexperience, let's mm -hmm. say, where you're just right. not aware of what's, what can be done or what's proper. Usually people who, who are touting the fact that their pictures come straight out of the camera are the same people who don't know how to process a, a raw image correctly. A mm -hmm. uh, couple of telling you another story a couple of years ago. Um, there's a big photo show up here in Maine called the Maine Photography Show. It's put on by one of the regional art associations and it's, it's pretty, for the state, it's a pretty prestigious show. Um, the first year I got in, um, I got in with actually a fairly, for me, a fairly straightforward image, but um, it resonated with the judges. So uh, it got in and a bunch of my friends also got in. Um, and this one guy that I knew from, you know, the uh, Facebook photo groups in Mean, um, he had friended me. We hadn't talked or anything. I don't really know him well, but uh, he had posted the, um, the show catalog after they announced all the winners and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and he, he posted the show catalog with no comment. And someone said, someone commented a lot of talent there. And his response was a lot of Photoshop there. And mm -hmm. this is a guy who he still, uh, he still posts his photos and then in the description without fail is the words, no editing. Huh. And honestly, it looks like it. Um, wow. You know, it looks like there's no editing and I've gotten into discussions with him. He actually blocked me for a while because I wouldn't let it go. Um, I've gotten into discussions with him where I did the Ansel Adams comparisons. I, you know, right. um, Moon, Moonrise Hernandez, New Mexico is a perfect example of just how much gets done in a dark room, even with film. Right. Um, and I've gone into the technical about what actually goes on inside a camera with the picture controls and everything. And he didn't want to hear it. Um, yeah. So it's just like, well, okay, you know, then, but don't complain because someone else bothered to learn the other end of their craft. I mean, in my, my opinion, photography starts at the push of the button. It doesn't end there. Exactly. You know, you, you, Ansel Adams spent hours in the dark room perfecting those photos. Um, and you can even see it. If you look at a print of Moonrise from 1945, 
versus a print of Moonrise from 1968 versus a print of Moonrise from 1972. It changed over the time, over time. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he either got better or just decided he was doing it differently or whatever, but those prints have differences. Right. Um, so, you know, to, to sit here and complain that someone is editing their photos in Lightroom or Photoshop to bring out uh, the best in the photos, it's kind of, it's just kind of petty. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I want to, I want to agree with you. I mean, you know, I understand when, you know, somebody would put up, you know, the straight out of straight out, you know, camera kind of thing, but then, you know, it's like, all right, the people opposed, great. You got great poses, but you know what, you you could bring a little bit more color into that. It's kind of dull or it's mm-hmm. too much, you know? So yeah, I, I understand that, you know, what you're saying, is it petty to turn around and say, you know, it's, again, it's an emotional thing, you know, like, like I said, it, then it goes into, you know, um, I had been called out uh, by somebody many years ago, and you know who it is, but I won't bring up names here. Um, and it was basically, it was an image and it was, it was, it, you know, you, it was oversaturated, you know, it was definitely oversaturated. And I just said, you know, good job. Right. You know, that was it. And I was literally called out of like, you don't know what you're talking about because you said that I'm like, you know what, not for nothing but you have no idea what this person was trying to do with that image. Do you know what he was doing? Do you know what she was trying to implement? You know, maybe she's trying to, you know, use her creativity to, to, to put out an emotion to, to, to what she's feeling, what she's going through or what, you know, you can't turn around and you judge anybody for anything as far as right. I'm concerned at any at any point in anymore. I, yeah. I, I'll refrain from critiquing images unless it's specifically asked for. Mm-hmm. If someone says, you know, hey, can you give me a critique on this? I'll be more than happy to say, in my opinion, it's oversaturated, it's too contrasty, or it's not contrasty enough, or um, your white balance is off, or it's overexposed or underexposed, and your composition is a little wonky. You know, I'll be more than happy to, to give a critique, and I'll suggest fixes. Um, if nobody asks, you know, and I don't like mm-hmm. the picture, that scroll wheel on my mouse works really well. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I know, I know. You know, uh, it's... To me, it's kind of, it's so easy in this day and age to to get caught up in this stuff and people get bold behind the keyboard. Um, You know, to me, you know, photography is personal for everybody. So that's it. You know, if you don't want to edit your stuff, that's fine. Don't edit your stuff, but don't take issue with people who do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I enjoy coming home after a trip and, you know, spending the next three days on my computer going through my work and and editing it to, to get what I want out of it. Exactly. Um, If you're fine downloading and just posting unedited photos to, to Facebook, that's fine. It wouldn't be my choice, but if that's what you like, then, Hey, that's what you like is, you know, you know, but don't criticize, don't criticize the person that does. Exactly. If you ask me for critique, I mean, it's to me it's kind of like you know back in the film days again if you remember that uh you know there were people who had their own home dark rooms and would go home and process their own film and then print their own film on their enlarger and there were people who just went to the one hour lab and would just you know drop the prints off at the one hour lab and get their four by sixes back and go okay well maybe i'll blow that one up and maybe i'll blow that one up right but you know, does that make the person with the four by sixes at the one hour lab any less, you know, than the guy who goes home and painstakingly 
uh, develops their own film. Not necessarily. The guy who develops their own film has a whole lot more control over his final image. Person who is dropping it off at the one hour lab is at the mercy of the pimple face kid at the machine there, you know, right. doing the thing. If, but if you enjoy what you're doing and you like what you're getting out of it, who's to say you're wrong? Right. I mean, because like you said, going back to using the the three the three different moon images from from uh, was it Ansel Adams? Yeah. You know, each time he either saw something different, felt something different, or was trying to convey something differently, which is why he probably changed it. Or he was able to do more of like, you know, this is what he had to work with and this is what he got back in 19 whatever. And now 1970, this is what he was, because things have changed and he can get more of what he had pictured in his mind because that's what it comes down to. It's what you have pictured in your mind. You take the shot. I mean, I, you know, going back to the, the sports, I want to get that shot, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I've got it, but, and I know that that specific shot, I can't wait to get home. I mean, listen, being out in Las Vegas for a month, okay. And I know I had, I, and I don't know how many hundreds of pictures that I had, but it was three of them. I couldn't, I knew I wanted to get home and and edit. I wanted to get those ones to to get them in because I knew what I wanted to do with them. Right. You know, so that's, you know, that's, it's all, it's a personal thing. And, And to turn around and say, you know, that it's wrong, you know, it's, it's not, it's wrong for you. Fine. But don't criticize anybody else. Like you said, it's if they want to do it. So you're right. The the scroll wheel works really well. If if it's not something you want to see. Exactly. Um, So, okay. Well, thanks Rick. What do you have coming up? Do you have any more workshops that we need to know about? Maybe we can hit you up if we ever come up there. Not at the moment. Like I said, um, uh, I just finished the Acadia workshop with uh, Hans photo adventures. Um, due to the pandemic, they're having to cut back. So I got to be the odd man out there. Oh. Um, so I just signed an agreement with Blue Hour Photo Ventures. Um, they're out of Boston. I'm doing a bunch of main stuff for them, but given lead time needed to market and um, uh, sell sell tickets and everything, um, it looks like my first, you know, probably one day type thing. They're going to be shorter for the moment until we see where things go here. Um, gotcha. but, uh, my, uh, my first, uh, events for them probably will not be until January. So, okay. In fact, that's my, my job this week is to, to submit a couple of different, uh, a couple events. of different workshops for them so that they okay. can get going on marketing them for me. Well, when you have something set, please let us know because we are adventurous people. You know, we're always looking to go someplace. So I will. I do have, I am working on, it's not definite yet. I am working on a coastal main, um, probably a four day uh, workshop, um, assuming Blue Hour wants to take a chance on something that long. Um, But it'll be based out of here in Freeport. I'm working with a friend of mine who owns one of the bed and breakfasts in town. Okay. so if I can get that up, I'll definitely let everybody know because um, that one should be a lot of fun. There's a lot of great stuff right in the area where I moved into a great area. So uh, lucky you. A lot of a lot of good stuff to shoot around here. So cool, cool, good. I have to get up there. I know Kathleen was up there a couple of weeks ago and she had a great time. So yeah, she um, had contacted me before and I gave her you know th- that night that she got her star trails and um, the Milky Way shot that she got. Um, I had contacted her and said. Hey, it's going to be clear tonight. It'll be a little cold, but it'll be clear. Head to Jordan Pond for Star Trails. Because um, Milky Way, there's like a 20-minute window that the Milky Way was visible, at least the core. So I said, go to Jordan Pond for Star Trails. and Because um, Jordan Pond runs 
um, north-south. So if you stand at the south end, you're facing these two mountains called the bubbles in, on the north end, and then you get the stars in circles over them. So wow. uh, yeah. it was the perfect spot, and she got some yeah. good stuff out of it. Yeah, she got a nice shot. She got a really nice shot. So, All right, Rick, thank you very much for talking with us. I appreciate it. Anytime, Sue. And uh, yeah, we may hit you up on a couple of things. I've got, uh, I do uh, uh, Topic Tuesday, and I've got this thing that I've got coming up. Uh, we're going to be talking about composition. Awesome. This, or, or this article that I found that this guy put out about his top eight uh, things in regards to composition that kind of pretty much blew holes in a lot of them but you'll hear them they'll be there <laughs> sounds good let me know all right thanks a lot rick i appreciate it thank you have a good one you too. so uh yeah once again i want to thank rick for um having a great conversation with us um really appreciate it um i'm going to make this interview a standalone interview and um i'm going to make john's a standalone also uh, because John and I had a great conversation in regards to this and we wandered around a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that'll be coming up real soon. Don't forget uh, the website, Photographers of Long Island or PhotographersofLI.com is the website. Um, check it out. There's all kinds of information in there. And like I said, Topic Tuesday, we're hitting up uh, composition because it's a really, really large topic. So I appreciate everybody tuning in. I appreciate everybody listening. And I will catch you again uh, in a little while. Take it easy.